Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The American Theater Wings Tony goes to. And the Tony Award goes to. And the Tony goes to. Dear Evan Hansen. Memphis. Once. Avenue Q. Hamilton. A strange week. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Next Fest Theater. Today, we're going to be telling you all about our thoughts on the 75th Annual Tony Awards. We are going to share what we thought of the show. We're going to share what we thought of the winners. Obviously, a lot of things that happened were expected, but there were also some surprises. And I think I can speak for all of us when I say that we had a pretty great show. So, first, uh, today I have with me Lauren LaMagna. Hello, everyone. And I also have Dan Bayer. Let it burn! (laughs) And at some point, we may be joined by Cody Derricks. He is having some weather-related difficulties right now, uh, but he may be popping in. It's a twister! It it is quite literally. It's it's actually (laughs) Wicked-themed. It's uh, (laughs) quite literally a twister. (laughs) So I thought that we would start out, though, just by talking about, you know, what we thought of the show itself. And I think for obvious reasons, we should start out by talking about our delightful host, or I should say hosts, because over the course of the two part evening, we had three. But, uh, you know, our our personal fave of faves here on Next Best Theater, Ariana DeBose, was our host this year. And what did you guys think of her? I mean, she's an icon, she's a legend, she's mm-hmm. gorgeous, she's flawless, she's perfect, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Queer excellence, we love her. And she's having the time of her life. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so fun to see a host that's, like, actually enjoying themselves and not just there for the sake of being there. Yeah. And, yeah, Broadway just being back in a full season was just, it's a nice time to celebrate theater. And especially after the crazy year that she's been having, it was so fun to see her, you know, back in her element, really. She was a goddamn professional all the way through. But more than that, I think that her... Um, like coming up through the ranks essentially from starting mm-hmm. out as a, a understudy in a swing and going up through being an ensemble member to supporting to winning a goddamn Oscar, <laughs> it has really given her a sense of um, pride in the work that everyone does in theater. And it, you could s- sense that she was like giving back some of her star power to the room at the Tonys. Absolutely. It was just really beautiful. She's like my favorite type of host, which is someone who obviously is, you know, more of a name that's recognizable to people outside of the theater bubble, but is someone who is still so deeply involved in the theater community and, you know, really has that pride of having started out in theater And I just absolutely love that. I think it's so special. And I thought she did an excellent job of, you know, celebrating 
what this season has been and the return to Broadway and how diverse it's been. And I think it's having her as the host too, especially like as a Afro-Latina queer woman Mm -hmm. said so much in a way that um, Broadway is not always willing to say, you know? So they actually put their money where their mouth is essentially this year. Um, And I thought that that was great. I also though did think that, you know, they did the pre-show sort of the first hour of the show on Paramount Plus. And I thought that Julianne Huff and Darren Chris did a really good job of hosting that too. And again, I think we're really fun because they're two people who are obviously, you know, known for, for film and TV or mostly TV, I guess. Uh, but it, you really could feel how much they love being a part of the theater community. Yeah. It was a really fun time actually seeing them host together, which I, can't say I was exactly expecting. <laughs> um, the, they they had that sort of like I call it the theater kid energy. Yes, you yeah. know, like they just really brought that we're gonna put on a show attitude to it, and they were just relentlessly positive and upbeat. And the the common theme between both them and Ariana, I think, was that they kept the show running. You know, they did not let anything uh, sit for too long. Mm-hmm. They didn't go into a lot of unnecessary comedy bits. They just kept it really short and sweet. They had like a couple of moments where they were like host, MC, um, you know, look at me for a couple minutes. And then they gave it back to the awards, which is frankly how you should do a awards show and i just want to say is going back to you know ariana starting out as an understudy and um i thought it was beautiful how she did take a moment to highlight the swings and understudies of this particular season because we all know that those are the saving grace of broadway but like this season they really 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 were and she even went out of her way after six performed to single out the dance captain who stepped in for abby mueller because she couldn't make it to the tonys yeah which I just thought was, that's just like a class act thing to do. Because everyone in that room knows how important those people are and they're just never seen. So just to have someone who was there and to know how important that job is, just to signal out, we see you, we love you, and you're important to our community too. I thought that was such a great touch. And I think that that's something that was sort of one of the themes of the night mm-hmm. was people calling out, you know, in their speeches, understudy swings, COVID officers, all of those people. I noticed like several stage managers got thanked by name, yeah. which is amazing. And I think it's so important that we do highlight all of those people who are not just the big stars of the shows and and maybe whose names aren't as known, but who are equally as important, especially while we've been going through COVID. I mean, obviously, like, um, it's likely that the the six ladies who were missing um, it may have been a COVID case. We know that Hugh Jackman is is now out of the Music Man because he has come down with COVID, and his understudy will be going on for him the, for the next week. Um, which, for the record, my little sister said that if Patty Lapone gets COVID from Hugh Jackman, we should sue him. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, I got very, very nervous for a minute there for like everyone on Broadway because if he had COVID in the room that night, um, yeah. 
Fingers crossed that the Tonys don't end up being like a super spreader event. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can yeah. you imagine? Especially since Nicole and I are seeing Paradise Square um, next week. Yeah. And I would really like to see Jakina Kalakongo. Do we want to talk about Jakina Kalakongo right now? Sure, yeah, let's go ahead and talk okay, about sure. performances. Let's talk about her. <laughs> because that was the performance of the night. Yeah, we had some really great performances, but I do kind of feel like Paradise Square... Uh, Took took the win. <laughs> I mean, yes. first there was that hunka hunka burning man mm-hmm. stage right. Yes. Um. <laughs> first of all, they gave me everything that I ever want in a Tony's number, which is dance and a woman bringing the house down. Truly. So I really couldn't have asked for more, and it made me so excited because. Uh, as Dan has alluded to, as you may know if you've been listening to the episodes <laughs> leading up to this, I am going to New York next week, and I'm seeing many shows. But I had one last show like slot open, and I was trying to decide between things, and I ended up picking Paradise Square, and Dan and I are going together. And I am now so thankful that that is what I picked. Yeah. Because out of all of the performances, mm-hmm. Paradise Square was the one where after watching it, I was like, oh my god, I have to see that. If yeah. anything sold tickets, it was that show. Yeah, honestly. it, And I don't even think that it was a necessarily a great performance slash number, but uh, that was the one that did the most work on selling the show to me, especially since that's one of the ones that have gotten kind of like mixed reviews. Um, I didn't think that any of the other numbers were particularly inspiring. Like the MJ number was like the dancing was incredible, but it was just very weird. Like I, I didn't, there was very little context and I didn't know how it made sense in the show based on what they were doing with the dancing and six is was i mean six was great but it's the same number that they have performed on literally like every time they perform anywhere so it's like i've seen it already i do think though that for people watching it who particularly because six is going on tour soon Mm -hmm. um that performance was probably enough for people who maybe weren't familiar with it yet to sell those tour tickets absolutely (laughs) i get that but i also think for me personally, my second favorite performance was shockingly the Spring Awakening, which I low-key don't think should have been taking time to do something. I loved mm. them and I thought it was a fantastic performance, but I still feel weird about its placement being there because, you know, the Tony Awards, there's so many awards, and there's so many tributes and there's so many things to do. I just, I don't I know wish. why we took three minutes out for Spring Awakening, even though I thought it was a fantastic performance. I wish that they had um, actually highlighted the documentary about Spring Awakening that was just made a little bit more. Because that documentary literally revolutionized the way that I think about Spring Awakening. I was never really a huge fan of it. And now I am like so in awe of it. And especially the way that it launched all these careers and how young these performers were and how much it meant to all of them and still does. And I think what they should have done is given us like a little snippet, like trailer type thing for the documentary maybe. Mm. And then given us that because I think it would have meant a little bit more if we could have seen some of the clips of them talking about it rather than just like also it's the anniversary here's a random performance um because yeah and then go through like this person got nominated for a tony a couple years later this person got nominated for a tony it's a successful group of kids essentially yeah they were the outsiders on broadway when they were doing that show it was like 
no one expected it to do as well as it did they and run as long as it literally did. literally were not sure if they were going to make it to opening. Yeah. From previews. And I think it is such a cool success story and a cool story about, you know, um, Deirdre O'Connell in her speech said basically, like, make the weird art. Mm. And I think Spring Awakening is such a good example of that. And I really wish that they had highlighted that because also with them not doing that, and obviously, like, the concert and the documentary is why they performed. But the fact that they didn't make that clear then brings the question of, like, why doesn't every musical that has a, like, anniversary perform then? Uh, yeah, or at least the anniversary of, like, the best musical winner from X many years ago. Like, why don't we have them back every year or something? Exactly. And especially, like, and I know that we've had, like, a million tributes to the man already, but like one song for Stephen Sondheim's legendary career when you were spending the length of another song on Spring Awakening felt like you could have maybe given that time to more that career deserved maybe yeah. a little more. To be fair, we did get two Sondheim numbers. We did. We did. <laughs> and I love so Bernadette Peters. And I love yeah. her singing that song. I, yes, That love. will always make me sob like a baby if I hear Bernadette Peters sing Children Will Listen. But I, I, I do agree a little bit, though, Dan, that I think he deserves more than three minutes at the Tony Awards. Yeah. I do wish that they'd given us, like, maybe a medley of songs with yeah. local performers to sort of show, like, how much he did and how many careers he's been involved with. Um, I think it could have been really fun to get more people involved in it. Like, obviously, having Bernadette was great, and it was important that she was part of it. But, I mean, like, there's so many people that I think were there in the room and could have been a part of doing something and it would have, mm-hmm. you know, sort of driven home the point a bit more about how many careers his work has touched. Oh, yeah. has been very influential for. I mean, basically, I'm up here saying, like, I wanted Annalie Ashford doing something Sunday in the Park with George. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really do think that, like, you know, or even they could have even just shown clips from the Sondheim birthday concert that happened over the mm-hmm. pandemic. Like, yeah. Or really, like, bring, like, all those ladies, like, bring back the Red Dress concert that Cody will never yeah. shut up about, about how he was there <laughs> for. Like, you know, bring them back, dress them in red again. I don't care. Like, bring back <laughs> the people who did numbers at that, like, Zoom. Yeah, to do them live. He was in the room. Have him do his number like live. So was Katrina Lang. Yeah, I think there were things that they could have done to make that feel a little bit more important. And I also feel like the in memoriam song choice was. I expected another. (laughs) I expected another Sondheim song. That was kind of like okay. They only did one Sondheim song in his tribute, and they were going to do another one like in the in memoriam. That made sense to me. And then they did that like that would i loved that it was a an out of nowhere chaotic choice (laughs) but it it was like a little bit of a cognitive dissonance thing like why are we singing this song why and like look miss billy porter can sing the living daylights out of anything and make it sound good but it was, that was a little weird. <laughs> like he sounded lovely, but also, I'm so sorry. Like first of all, it's a very happy number, but also on the street where you live. I'm like, are we? What are we talking about here? On the, on the street where the people who have passed are like, 
Sorry, what? Well, yeah, because he changed it to the street where you lived, but... But still. I mean, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like, obviously, once they got to that, I was like, oh, I see what they're doing. But at first, I was like, hello? (laughs) (laughs) Just like, that's a choice. Yeah. I I felt that overall, it was a really strong night. I felt that the opening and closing performances uh, were great. And obviously I was very into Ariana DeBose's number that she did sort of in the middle of the show. <laughs> where she sat on Andrew Garfield's where she lap. Fell in love with Andrew Garfield. Yeah. yeah. Where she did, yeah. you know, where she lived out my dreams for me. I would have been uh, bestie. Like, yeah, I get it. I was like, that is exactly what I would use hosting an awards show to do. So good for you. But I, I genuinely thought that they did a really good job, too, of having her be there enough that we felt her presence and she was sort of filling in gaps and helping transition. But there were no, like, little moments of shtick that I w- thought that we could have lost. Yeah. And the one extra number in the middle as a, you know, to, like, gussy up the uh, opening and closing numbers, I thought was appropriate. And it was short and sweet. And she had fun with it. Mm-hmm. It's the sort of things we love in the Tonys. Yeah, when the again, when the host has fun with it, yeah. it comes off well. It doesn't come off that it's dragging or it's just space filling. Like the audience becomes engaged as well. And she has a quality that, like, to <laughs> she never comes off like she's like mugging and craving our attention in the way like um, t- James Corden sometimes does. She comes off very natural, and even when she is objectively mugging for the audience or the camera, it doesn't come across as desperate or needy. It just becomes comes across as like professional, like she's a song and dance lady, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, you can tell that she loves all the people in the room, and she sees them as their equal. She doesn't think she's yes. above them, which sometimes happens when a, when hosts post award shows they think there's a hierarchy but she really does see all of these people as her peers and as her home base and it was so nice to see a little bit of a sigh of relief of her being okay i'm back in new york i got my dance shoes on i'm gonna just be ariana the girl who dances and sings and with the people who also love what i love and it was as you said it was so refreshing seeing a host that just felt like she was just hanging out with her friends really and just putting on a show and I think what we're all saying essentially is that they should bring her back next year. I think, yep. you know, they've had several hosts that have done like a multi-year stint. I would love to see her return. And hell, I'd love to see her host the Oscars one day. Why not? Like, I mean, she has to present. She has to present next year anyways. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I would love to see her become one of those sort of like go-to host people. Mm-hmm. I think that could be super fun. I also think like for the Oscars, I think it'd be super fun to see like her and Lynn host together or something like that. Mm. Right. Because he had a hand in like launching her career Mm -hmm. really. And they could do some really cool numbers together. And, you know, they both bring in sort of, there's a lot of people who, who know Lynn because, you know, kids across America love Moana. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) So I, I think that I would love to see her sort of return to this hosting gig again and again, because I think she's proven I would say she's the best host that we've had in a long time. I think she has more than proven that she has what it takes to be a consistently great host. I I would say, like, you know, bring back this whole team. Yeah. Bring back her and the production team and the writers. Like, have them do just, like, every awards show. Why not? They did it. They did this one so, so well. Absolutely. 
Are there any other performances that either of you wanted to highlight, either for bad or good reasons, I guess? Can we talk about how uncomfortable Sutton Foster looked during that Music Man number? Poor baby girl wasn't allowed to sing. <laughs> she Poor, looked so I, awkward. number, like... The way that my family reacted to that number truly was killing me. My sister told our new puppies, if you're going to make noise, make it now. Um, <laughs> and my dad literally said, who told him he could sing? So I don't think oh he God. was at his best. Also, like, Hugh, baby, you are usually so well-groomed. What happened? What happened? Why was there a close-up? I I have a lot of questions. Like, the choreography was very fun. We love you, Warren Carlyle. But, like, oh, that was, it was awkward to sit through. It was just really awkward. Which is weird because, like, there were moments during the Paradise Square performance that were also a little awkward because, like, Jaquino was struggling a bit with some of those notes. Not gonna lie, she was a little shaky. But the conviction that she had in that performance more than made up for everything. Like she was shedding her soul on that stage. And I the image of the night for me was Cynthia Arrivo standing up front row right in front of her and like fanning her down like she was Being in like, church like you just did that shit Cynthia Arrivo looking like she came off the set of Dune 2 I, <laughs> I mean yes she was dressed for a Bene Gesserit wedding and we stan but like game recognize game you know like she saw that and was like yes and supported that is talent and it would have been really awkward if she had lost the award later <laughs> after that. If I was any of those other ladies, I wouldn't have gotten the award. I would have been like, I don't deserve it after yeah. that performance. Yeah. Imagine if they had gone to Sutton Foster who didn't sing. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I would. I don't even know what I would have done. I do think it was really lovely to see that, you know, especially going into the performances, having already known who had won all of these sort of technical craft awards. It was really nice to have moments where I was like, yep, that's exactly why, you know, company won set design. That's exactly Mm -hmm. why Michael Jackson or MJ won choreography. Those were some some nice things to sort of look for in the performances, which we did get, which. I guess the last thing I'm going to ask before we actually talk about awards is what did you guys think of the split format with the first hour and the first set of awards on Paramount Plus and then the second, you know, part, the the last three hours on broadcasted as usual? I thought they did it mostly pretty well. I mean, aside from the frankly baffling decision to put best score in the Paramount Plus pre-show but best book of a musical in the main show that was very confusing although now i'm thinking like maybe they actually like did know something that we didn't and specifically put book on the main show so that a strange loop would have won something other than just best musical although it would have been nice to get to see right to see toby and lucy win a woman yes. and a non-binary person accept the award that would have been cool. score 
also I I she's definitely the youngest woman to have ever won best score. I don't know if there's Pisk and Paul might be younger, but um you, you know, I would have liked to have seen that. And I think I think they had time. Honestly, they could have put the Spring Awakening thing in the pre-show and moved yeah. that to the actual yeah. show. Yeah. I, I think next time if there's any random numbers, uh put them in the pre-show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. But overall I do think it works, even though I, I would love to know how many people uh did what I did and got a free trial of Paramount Plus just for this. No, yeah, like uh, personally I wouldn't I don't like that it's on Paramount Plus, but if they had but the actual production of the pre-show was very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I do very much prefer getting to see everything, even if I have to watch the first hour on a streaming service. Yeah. The fact that it's Paramount Plus is incredibly inconvenient. Yep. Um, <laughs> because I and I feel like a lot of people don't have Paramount Plus. I almost that is wish, correct. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would honestly better be better if they like just streamed the first hour on their YouTube channel. Yeah. They didn't have a lot of commercials during it anyway. So Exactly. I think that would be a lot better to be quite honest. And I don't know, their viewership might be better with the first hour and they'd have a very easy way of capturing how many people watched it like mm-hmm. themselves. So, I would much prefer to see them move to that. They even could do like you know, some sort of paid thing where you have to pay to see the first hour for. Yeah. I would shell out like, you know, $5, 10 bucks to see the first hour on a exclusive streaming thing. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Stream it on the site. It is important to me that at least everybody got to give their speeches in full you know, on mm-hmm. in, in some form and got to we got to see with everyone in the room. We got to see people react to the names mm-hmm. being called. We got to see how people were clapping for different names being called, mm-hmm. which is always to me like helps indicate so fun. where I think things are going. And and we got to see the faces of the people as they found out that they had won. And I just think that's such a better um you know, sort of format than than picking and choosing awards to cut. Basically, what we're saying is, hey, ABC, you have a streaming platform. Stream the tech awards for the Oscars on that. Yeah. Yep. Because the Tonys just proved that it can work really well, and they got everything done in their allotted TV time. They didn't even, they went over by like, what, maybe a minute or two? It wasn't much. It was yeah, maybe five minutes. Yeah. There's no reason that every other award show can't do it. They've proven that it can be done. <laughs> and you know what? This is why the Tonys are the best awards show. I mean, amongst other reasons. <laughs> there are lots of other reasons, but like, this is one of them. <laughs> I, I think the other, the other thing before we move on to actually talk about the winners the other thing that the Oscars could learn from the Tonys is that it should be a night of celebrating the art form and mm-hmm. celebrating the performers and all of the people and the products that are being made. And it shouldn't, it should never feel like it's embarrassed to be about what it's about. Which is why we should not be embarrassing, embarrassing to Cody at all when we welcome him on right now. Hello. Hello, Cody. Hello, Cody. Yeah, I survived the erstwhile tornado that didn't actually drop into Chicago. But I'm glad 
to hear that. Yeah, Thanks, the, the I remember gods. just annoyed because like tornado sirens are really not good for podcasting. So I just had to wait that out. Well, you actually have perfect timing because we were literally just wrapping up talking about like the show itself and we're going oh, to great. move into awards. So I would love just real quick to to give us your thoughts on, you know, how the show went, your favorite performance. Yeah, that sort of thing. Sorry if I if, if I repeat anything that was already said, obviously, but just bear with me. <laughs> um, I thought it was a pretty good show overall. I thought Ariana was a my good friend Ariana. Ariana DeBose yes. was a great host. I thought her energy. She has very theater kid energy, and I was watching it last night, and my. I guess controversial statement is like, I sometimes find theater kid energy comforting <laughs> because <laughs> as I feel oh, you myself, one it makes say. me feel safe. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Yes. I feel like if it's like nostalgic and like comforting. So that energy for me is always good. And when it's somebody that talented, it's even better. Like her performance in the opening number was great. Her interstitial stuff was fantastic. She was very unapologetically, um, in love with theater, which is how I think it should be. And unlike the Oscars, the show as a whole was not embarrassed of the art form it was celebrating, which is all I really ask of your award show. I thought the format, the, you know, switching between the app to the TV was like obviously clunky and execution. Just there's no way for it not to be. But I think the fact that we got to see every single category, which before Paramount Plus we didn't, you know, they wouldn't show they wouldn't always show best book and score or like any of the design categories. So the fact that we get to see those at all, if this is how it has to be, that's fine with me. But yeah, overall, I, I enjoyed myself. Amazing. And did you have a favorite performance? I did. I thought um, Joaquina Calacongo's performance in the Paradise Square number was pretty fantastic. Um, if anybody is listening to the previous episodes of this uh, Tony season, Next Best Theater, a little mini series we've been doing, though, I, I will have. I'm repeating myself, but I did see it at its pre-Broadway tryout here in Chicago. And even the audience that, like, didn't know the show, obviously, because it was brand new, Mm -hmm. gave her a mid-show standing ovation after that number. And, like, just seeing it get recreated with that ferocity on the air with the benefit of, like, close-ups so they can capture her perfectly timed single tier, that just really made it even better. I've, I've watched it a few times over and over again, and I'm so glad that she ended up being the winner. It's one of those performances that after you see it, you're like, well, she's got to win now or else this is yeah. Really yeah. <laughs> Which maybe should we start with talking about best leading actress in a musical since we're kind of there already? Sure. Did we establish yeah, say- that? Um, I can cut this out. Did we establish that we're not going to talk like extensively about all the categories or should we like say something? No, that's, uh, no. I was actually going to say yeah. we want to start talking about the play categories because I feel like there's less there that was a surprise at all. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I can kick that off if you don't want to talk about plays anymore, Nicole. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, Nicole! <laughs> oh, <no>. I got it. <laughs> All right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. So, yeah, let's move into the awards portion of our episode here. We're not going to go do a, an in-depth discussion of every single category, especially if there was not a surprising winner. I don't really think we have to examine yeah, much there in categories such as, you know, best play. So in that vein, let's move into the play categories. What do we think was probably the most surprising winner i have a i have a contender but i'd like to hear some other people's thoughts most surprising of the play Probably. of the play yeah. category i mm, i'm like in all the I'm play like, categories i yeah. guess leading actress i mean i really leading actress in the play leading actress in the play was my, yeah was my uh, I, like that's really the only one that was a huge surprise and even that i was also pretty surprised by both actresses for the um in a play, really. Oh, yeah. Featured actress in a play was a shock. Featured yeah. actress, I never knew what was going to happen in that category. That's to the be thing honest. about, right. That's the thing about featured actresses. Like, it was not what I predicted. I was going for, uh, we all went for Kenny Dar Miller eventually. Yeah. But we also said that, you know, Rachel Dratch had a chance and uh, maybe Kari Young. I did hear people on other podcasts and in articles mention that Felicia Rashad had a chance. She's, you know, obviously pretty good, I'm sure. She's a good actress. She, she <laughs> um, is a grand dame of the theater. Right. I felt like that was that. that was the most awkward speech of the night. Like, there were moments where it felt like she was, like, pausing and, like, the audience, like, wasn't reacting. Like, I don't know. It just... That was the one where I was kind of like, okie dokie. She was being a bit too stately it with it. Spoken like yeah. a true thespian. There was literally yes, really. that larynx <laughs> did not move a single inch. Yeah. Completely still. Yeah. I that was that was the one when that like truly shocked me, actually. Like leading actress in a play was only shocking, I think, because Dana H had been closed for so long but like the reviews for that were phenomenal and she's basically new york theater royalty at this point she's done so much theater here and felicia rashad it was it was strange because yes the show had closed but they had multiple performers available from shows that were currently open that were also getting great reviews and that the shows got much more nominations than skeleton crew (laughs) Yeah, the thing about Dana H, though, or rather Deidre O'Connell winning, we all predicted Mary Louise Parker, as did most people, mm. and we all were pretty confident in it, but we did say that, you know, if anybody's going to take it yeah. from her, it'll be, not from her, she didn't win the award, but if anybody's going to surprise, it will be Deidre O'Connell. The thing I kept hearing from pundits, from potential voters, from mm. people who just saw the show was that classic thing we always fear to hear during award mm-hmm. shows and award season, which is, well, Mary Louise Parker's gonna win, but I really want to be Deidre O'Connell. And when you start hearing that too much, yeah. <laughs> you have to start getting mm-hmm. a little bit nervous. Not nervous, but you know what I mean? Like, for your predictions. Because that's the same yeah. thing that happened to Anthony Hopkins when he won for The Father. It happens all the time. Olivia Coleman for The Favorites. And these are other award shows, obviously, but that energy is transferable to this one. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel like the only other thing that really, I really, the thing was that if you used my method, which I think some other people did too, (laughs) if you don't know, guess the Lehman trilogy, it worked out pretty dang well. Yeah. 
which yeah. I saw something. I don't know the details on it, but they're making a TV show, I believe, based mm. on it, huh. is what I saw. Which, um, you know, hey, I'm sure that there will be people who are very excited for it. Uh, my dad was very excited to hear that because he was very interested in what he he saw of it on the Tonys. Right. Uh, but I feel like the only thing that really surprised me maybe was like, I wasn't sure where sound design of a play was going to go. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I feel like things on the play side, other than actresses, pretty much were, went where we expected them to. Yeah. Right. The thing about Dana H. winning sound is that usually best sound of a play, if there's a show with music in it, you like just pick it, pick it, pick it. And Lehman Trilogy, <laughs> I believe, had a live pianist on stage. I might yes, be wrong. Yes, they did. And but so you would think that would be part of it, plus the general sweep of it. But Dana H. is all about the sound, yep. obviously. So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was the really only surprise in the play category besides the two uh, female performance ones. Everything else I got correct. Um, uh, speak for yourself. Or... I correctly predicted Dana H for sound, and I told y'all. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> we also all got um, Revival of a Play wrong. We started, I think we kind of whipped ourselves up into a friendly Yeah, about, we did. <laughs> the um, underdog <laughs> yeah. success for Color Girls who have considered suicide and end up being... Incorrect. It should have. I should have stuck to my original thought of taking me out, but that's okay. It it did um, make me a little sad that for colored girls got no awards after getting yeah. the like most award tied tying for the most nominations of any play of the evening, and then to go home with nothing that um, that made me really sad. Yeah. But I, unless anybody else has any other observations, I don't really have much else to say about the play categories. It kind of went where we thought it would. Yeah. You know, the Lehman Trilogy won Best Play, and that makes it the first closed Best Play since uh, The Coast of Utopia in 2007. But a lot of the plays are already closed, and the play categories in general are less reliant on awarding what's currently uh, running uh, yeah. open shows rather than the musical categories, which if your show is closed and you want to win a Tony and you're a musical, no uh, shot in you're, hell. you're in trouble. And we will <laughs> discuss that shortly. <laughs> Anybody else have any other thoughts before we move into the musicals? I kind of hijacked can... this episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to just take over. Like <laughs> if anybody else I think wants we can to talk remember. musicals now because yeah. I feel like there, there were some more surprises on the musical side, even in that first hour on Paramount Plus. The first award of the night. That is where most of my mistakes were made in my prediction. Yeah, the first award of the night given out on the Tony's Act 1 on Paramount mm-hmm. Plus was Best Score. And we were all predicting a strange loop, as were most people. You know, I think we assumed that given its frontrunner status, you would just give it best score, which is so closely tied to the musical art yeah. form. Obviously. Well, and also it won the Pulitzer, won and the, Pulitzer, the yeah. only musical that has won the Pulitzer that didn't win best score was uh, Sunday in the Park with George, and that one also didn't win best musical. Like, even Next to Normal, which didn't win best musical, won best score. But if that one won the Pulitzer after the Tonys, so it's a little different. But still, like where the Pulitzer if the Pulitzer for drama goes to a musical, the Tonys tend to follow. And that was like the point of the evening where I was like, uh oh, like do we have to worry about a strange loop? Probably not, right? It as the <sighs> evening went on and a strange loop kept losing 
categories, it did kind of feel like, oh no, a strange loop just yeah. lost Ohio. Like it really did feel yes. like the the pendulum was swinging chat. in a different way. It took a long time. Breaking out the whole night. <laughs> It took way too long for that show to get on the board. I'm sorry. Yeah. The only reason that I stuck with it throughout the night was because I was like, there is nothing else that can beat it for best book. There's just nothing. Right. Like, the, it would, like, Lynn Nottage really would have had to have pulled a rabbit out of her hat in the Lincoln Center Theater bathroom <laughs> in order to win for MJ. And that was, like, really the only one that could have done it. And just because on her, how much people love her. And it wasn't winning. <laughs> so it's like, if it's winning Best Musical, that it can also win. If it's if it wins Best Book, then it can win Best Musical, and that'll be fine. And that's what ended up happening. It was an unusual night for the yeah. Tonys for Best Musical in general and all of musical categories because it's been a while since they've like done a spread the love kind of year. Yeah. Lately, the name of the game has I been <laughs> just pile as many awards into one show as possible. Just put it all in one corner. Um, I also was, that was really not the case hoping because I'm, as I said, I'm going to see some shows next week. And I was like, please come on. I want for multiple of them to be recent yeah. Tony award winners. And I definitely got my wish. Cause I am seeing six and a strange loop and paradise square. I'm also seeing um funny girl, but <laughs> rip um that would be funny girls yeah Mm -hmm. but i i was really happy to see that and also you know the thing that i always try to point out particularly for any listeners who might be more film people than theater people is that the best thing about a show winning a tony is that it really can make the difference between it closing and staying open yep and obviously Mm -hmm. something like six i'm not worried about because um you know, it's about to go on tour. It's had success in the UK. Like, it's it's probably going to do fine on its own. It didn't need that. But something like Paradise Square really did. And mm-hmm. MJ as well is going to be helped out by this. So I think it's it's really nice to see the love actually spread around so that we don't have the situation that we've had some years where one musical takes, you know, one new musical takes all the awards and then, like, everything else is closed within a few months. Yeah, the fun thing about this year is that Every single Best Musical nominee, except for Mr. Saturday Night, won at least one Tony Award, which is yeah. rare. Which is There's awesome. plenty of years where nominees, and even years where it's only like four nominees for Best Musical. This year, there were six. There's plenty of years that one show just gobbles up everything that happened. Yeah. The Hamilton year, that happened. Producers. The Band of the Year. Yeah. And the other nominees just get absolutely nothing. <laughs> I think it's always more fun when they spread the wealth mm-hmm. because it there is so much worthy work being done on Broadway, usually in any season. So it's always nice to have each show or multiple shows anyway, as many shows as possible, get a Tony out of the end of the night. This is such a hard medium to make art in and to be successful. And I think it's by far the most difficult one out of all of them. So to be celebrated and to actually be rewarded for the years, like it doesn't, it's not like a movie where you like, you could go into production, then make the movie, then release the movie in like two to three years. This takes five, sometimes even a decade for a play or a musical to make it to Broadway. So the fact that, the theater wing decided to share like the wealth is a really beautiful touching moment. And especially for it to be the first full season 
since the pandemic because last year's Tony Award season, there was so little because they were only doing eligible from the, the year prior, I think is a really beautiful touch, whether it was directly or indirectly. I think that was just a nice little like appreciation of we know how hard it is to make these shows, especially because some of these shows were supposed to go up or started previews when the pandemic happened. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that they stayed with the theater, the theater kept them and they got to, you know, do their show and get a Tony from it, I think is really beautiful. I think it's not to use a buzzword that's been diluted of all meeting, but it does really kind of feel like the Tonys were really mindful with their votes in each category. Mm. It was not a year where they just gave everything again. Like we, we're repeating points, but like to the band visit or Hades yeah. Town. There was no juggernaut. No. And I do appreciate that because it kind of it messed with my predictions a little bit because there are plenty of categories where we were like, uh, I don't know, a strange loop, probably like orchestrations and best leading actor in a musical. Definitely part of that was because a lot of us were predicting Jaquel Spivey, all of us here except for Dan, because look, I made my argument and I made it well and y'all didn't listen. That's on you. Look, I just <laughs> want to believe that people would go for MJ the musical in that way. <laughs> Yeah, the so whole I when I found out that Jaquil Spivey missed like a week of performances during the voting period, that was what really cemented me as thinking that Miles Frost was going to do it. Honestly, maybe let's slide into the leading performance categories with this because I do want to say mm-hmm. like when I watched the MJ performance as as of. Uh, icky as the existence of a Michael Jackson musical right now mm-hmm. makes me feel, especially because it's kind of just like there and nobody's really doing, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, it's just kind of just like, yeah, there it is. Yep. I feel like there's not much conversation happening about that, but you watch that performance and he was incredible. Like he just was. <laughs> and I watched that performance and I did think he's winning and it was too late to change yep. the prediction. <laughs> I knew it as soon as I saw that number, like, yes, he is going to make a fantastic winner for this category. It does make me a little wary though, that like we are now on a little bit of a hot streak for these people winning Tony awards for these bio musicals. It's becoming a little like the Oscars. Like if you play a real person, you're going to win the Tony. Right, because Lauren, you mentioned that in your article. Yeah, I was I was shocked that, I'm low-key still shocked that the bio musical and the jukebox musical and all these types of stories where, you know, it's a real person and we're just like reiterating their music on stage is still so popular, not just commercially, but with voting members. And um, I thought, you know, by now, it's been how many years since um, Beautiful, but it's still really strong and it gets people win- like not just Tony nominations. It gets Tony wins, wins. Like consistently. Most of our acting winners are playing real people. And it's, it's an interesting trend. I'm shocked that it's still this long and it's still this strong, but um, yeah, congratulations to him. I'm personally over this trend. I would like to go back to <laughs> yeah. contemporary right, because- musicals. We had, so it was, well, even going back to Jersey Boys, where two of those actors won. But since in recent history, we've had Cher Show, Stephanie J. Block wins Cher Best Show, Actress. Yeah. Last year, Adrian Warren won for Tina. Yeah. And then a few years before that, it was, yeah, it was uh, Jesse Mueller Jesse for Mueller. Beautiful. It's crazy. Interesting. 
so yeah, that was best actor in a musical. Like I said, once you saw that performance, you're like, well, that's a Tony winning performance. And he is the youngest yeah. solo winner because <laughs> as I was pointed out to me when I declared him the youngest winner, no, no, three Billy Elliot's won when they were yep. like 10. So. <laughs> but all the, the thing that I loved most about that win was the obvious love and respect that he and Jaquel Spivey showed for each other when he went up to the stage. Um, they gave each other great big giant hug. Jaquel was the first person to stand up for him. And I think that you could sense that they are like really on this journey together. I mean, it's really incredible. It's both of them, their Broadway debut. <laughs> and they are, I believe, both queer black men, which is like pretty incredible that they're going through this at the same time. And I love that they showed that love and respect for each other. It was really incredible to see, you know, not just diverse nominees this year, but to see some diverse winners, mm-hmm. um, particularly on the musical side. We got that because, you know, there's always that sort of thing of like at the Oscars, even years that we get diverse nominees, we don't always get diverse winners. And so it's really nice to see, as as Ariana DeBose pointed out, that this is proof that there is a place in musical theater and theater and broad, you know, on Broadway for different types of people. And I think that that was really great. And it's, it's the reason that, you know, as much as I hate the whole concept of MJ, the musical, I can't fault Miles Frost's win. Like I can't be upset about that. It could have been Hugh Jackman or Rob McClure. (laughs) Yeah. We love Rob McClure, maybe not for Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes. I would have lost it if Mrs. Doubtfire won. (laughs) Yeah. Much like Funny Girl, that was the show's only nomination. When when that show popped up, it was like, oh, right. (laughs) This thing exists. Did anyone even see Beanie at the Tony's? She has COVID. Oh, The fact that Leah Michelle performed at the Tony's. She got the last laugh. She knew exactly what she was doing. Let's move on to Best Actress in a Musical, which went to Joaquina Calcongo for Paradise Square, which did we all predict that correctly or was there some division? I still stuck by Sharon. I think I did. Yeah, I did Clark. Okay. Again, solely based on the fact that like no one seemed to really love Paradise Square. So I thought that they would go with the show that they loved, even if it did close. But truly, like, if anyone else had won after that performance, it it would have been rather embarrassing. Right. And I just, just want to reiterate, saying... don't you, I, I caution anybody, <laughs> unless there is some weirdness or something, to ever predict a closed performance winning a musical acting award. It just does not happen. Hasn't happened since 1999. Yep. That was a weird year. So it's just just not how the Tonys operate for musicals. This was actually just more Goblin Gremlin supremacy. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> well done, Cody. <laughs> um, yeah, it was an amazing performance. I, I think we were all happy for her to win. Even oh, if we very. Predicting oh, her. of course. And yeah. The thing about Paradise Square is it's not a very good show. It's totally, it's as the kids say, mid. And even still, she's incredible. And I think actually the fact that the show is not great, like the song that she's singing is like constructed not well. The lyrics are pretty simple. The fact that she can still do that with that material is maybe even 
higher praise for her. You know, it's like one thing to do, no disrespect to Miss Clark, is one thing to kill Carolina Change, which is, like I've said in the last episode, my favorite show of this past century. But it's another to take something just kind of okay and do that with it. Yeah. And as Nicole said, um, Paradise Square really needed a Tony win. And I'm glad that it has a Tony win for a category that is so big as Best Actress in a Musical. Because that's going to just do so much and extend God knows how many weeks and hopefully months on this run. Hopefully. And not just the win, that performance really. Mm -hmm. I I saw a lot of people saying like, well, now I have to see it. I had no interest before just to see her. And that's exactly what you want to hear (laughs) from your Tony audience. Was anybody else scared for a second that um, Sun Foster may repeat her drama league win? Absolutely not. No. Not after she wasn't allowed to sing. I was, I went to like, I was to my friend, I was like, you know, she won the Drama Desk Performance Award for this role, right? And they were like, but she's not singing. And I was like, she won the Drama Desk <laughs> Performance Award for this role. Yep. For some reason. I, I would like to speak with the Drama Desk members please about that i just want to talk yeah that like, music I am glad on the whole i will just say i am very glad that sudden foster has a drama desk performance award she deserves it she is fantastic i don't know if like i but i do believe there will be other roles for her to prove why she deserves yeah. that i just want to insert a quick addendum here is it was the drama league it's their fault for naming awards <laughs> that similar to each other yeah, but she won the league, well, whatever drama league which is that the one that they only give to one performer across the entire season mm-hmm. and it's really becoming very much like a career type win which is which makes sense a little odd but it, you know but yeah anyway that music man performance also i'm sure you talked about it in the in this episode it part was one. super awkward it's not good just really lackluster yeah. very um it looked like something that was put together for the Tonys rather than a performance from a show. Does that make sense? Like yes, it looked like a absolutely. tribute to the music man. <laughs> it didn't look like yep. a representation of this um, show that you have to pay $76 to stand up and watch. Which apparently that's the curtain call that they were doing, which mm. um, it's been a long time since I've seen the music man. So I will like take that. You know, I'll take that as fact, even though it may not be, which I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, but yeah, it was it was a strange performance choice, but the Music Man didn't win anything. Um, so can we talk about a show that did win the most wins of anything, Company, and the most thanked person of the night? Our new Chris God. Harper. Yes, <laughs> I was waiting for someone to say it. <laughs> oh, the first person that yes. pays everyone's salary. Uh-huh. Yes, Chris Harper, who pays my salary. <laughs> If yeah, he got several shoutouts. Salary too. That'd be great. <laughs> Would love it. It was in every li- everyone except for Matt Doyle was like Chris Harper and something about paying salaries. <laughs> it was it was great. I love how everyone in that show has leaned into that meme. Yeah, it was really cool to see company get so many wins, especially after their incredible performance. I was really mm-hmm. kind of I was really impressed by that. And company's a show I've loved for you know half of the time I've been alive in my life. So (laughs) it's fun to be surprised by something you know so well. I was also just very touched that Patty shouted out the London cast and her win as well and Rosalie Craig. Um, And I felt like they also all did a really good job of sort of making sure to highlight other people and all their speeches. I I was so thrilled to see, you know, Bunny Christie win. And and I was also just thrilled that we had several female winners in design categories which you know doesn't always happen so i was 
super happy to see, you know, Bunny Christie get to take that. And also, I just got thrilled every time someone went up there for company or for uh, the Lehman Trilogy because it meant that we got to hear great accents. So. <laughs> we love the British. That's our thing. As do the Tonys. I mean, look, Marianne Elliott is now the first woman to have won the directing award in both categories for both plays mm-hmm. and musicals. And Matt Doyle and Patti Lapone are the first acting wins that any production of company has ever gotten, which is insane. Yeah, the Tonys have a weird history with company uh, in general. Like we said on the previous episode, the role of Bobby is not a guarantee. Only two of the four Bobbies on Broadway have been nominated for Tonys. None of them won, obviously. The original production had, like, insane category placement. There were, like, two leading actresses, two featured <laughs> actresses. Like, who knows what's going on? And none of them won. So it's it's not the guarantee that you think for awards, as you might think for a show's legendary company. But, yeah, it was – they finally got some damn acting trophies. Yeah, that was just really exciting. Every single one of those wins – and just so deserved and then repaid with pretty great speeches too. I I don't think there was a bad, I mean, Felicia Rashad's was a little weird, but I don't think there was a bad speech during the whole night. I would agree. Well, the thing about the Tonys and another reason why I love them so much is everybody's excited to be there. You know, it's a community that's mm-hmm. very tight knit, yeah. very insular and rarely get the spotlight on them in this way. So it really does feel like a family just celebrating each other. And the speeches reflect that. They're excited to win. They're excited to shout out their friends who help them get there and their family members. And it just really makes for good, like, sorry, TV. It's just, it's it's a good watch every year. Agreed. Yeah. Do we have any other? I do want to talk about um, a, a below the line category that doesn't get a lot of love usually. But I thought the... Best Orchestrations win for Girl from the North Country was mm-hmm. an inspired win. Although yeah, I will was... say that them giving me a reminder of Dear Evan Hansen in the presentation <laughs> of that award, when that it is was the triggering. Thing that I'm most upset about in my life uh, was not kind of them. <laughs> yeah, that was one of those awards that when they won, it made total sense. You know, yeah. they took Bob Dylan songs and completely restructured them and reinstrumented, reinstrumented, reorchestrated them. <laughs> and uh, it just is the kind of a show and work that this category is there for. You know, it's to yeah. honor and highlight uh, a, a, a craft that isn't really noticeable always, but it requires a ton of skill. Yeah. Um. I know. I think we all were going for a strange loop. I might be wrong. We did, and you know, Girl from the North Country was always my like. This could. This is the most likely spoiler. Um, just because I think those orchestrations are kind of jaw-dropping when you compare them to the originals. But mostly, I'm just really happy that that show won something. I mean, it's gotten fantastic reviews, um, but has really been struggling to find an audience. I don't, I'm not sure that the number that they performed will help sell tickets, but I'm really glad that it gets to call itself a Tony Award winning musical. Yeah, well they're they're actually closing soon anyway. So That's true. Yeah. It's just a nice send off for the show. They had a weird history, a production mm. history. They 
opened, you know, post COVID. They're supposed to open pre COVID and then they closed and then they reopened yeah. and now they're closing again. It's like it's kind of been up and down for that production, which is, I'm sure, stressful for all involved. But it's nice that I got to go out on a high yeah. note. And like, can we get Mayor Winningham in more musicals, please? She is so good. All right. Do we have any like specific thoughts? So we can do like general final thoughts. We can go around like we do on the review episodes if we want. I don't even know that I have anything more to yeah. say. All right. I do. <laughs> okay. okay. So I'll just jump in with a final thought that um, I, I'm sure you discussed this already, but since um, <laughs> there was a twister in my backyard, I couldn't talk about it. But I was a little disappointed in both the In Memoriam and the Sondheim tributes. Yes, we Not talked yeah, about. <laughs> yep. <laughs> about to repeat myself, but I have to, I have to put it out to the world because I was a little bummed. I was kind of mm-hmm. really hoping that there would be a, a quite extensive Sondheim tribute, given that he's, I don't think this is controversial to say, the most important musical theater figure of the past century. So... Mm-hmm. And his passing, you know, it affected every single person in that room, even those who didn't work with him, even those who never knew him, even people at home who never knew him. But his work lives on, obviously. And uh, as somebody who is very important to me (laughs) and my sensibilities and my artistic upbringing, I was a little disappointed that all we got, all we got, I shouldn't say all we got, we got to see Brenda Peter sing Into the Woods. That's fantastic. Mm. But still, I wish it was more. I wish it was longer. I wish it was a bit more extensive. She was, it was the perfect song to do. If you're going to do just one song, children will listen. Yeah. It's a, an amazing send off and a, a great summation of somebody's legacy and uh, what you leave behind in the world. And that being said, I do wish there was more. I mean, like yeah. Sondheim is one of those performers who, like Shakespeare, there are interpreters of his work. There's, and most of them were in the theater that night. There's Brenda Peters, Pedro Pone, Mandy Patinkin, you know, all these people who've been in several shows of his who have perfected the performance of his music and lyrics. And I think we could have done something really amazing and touching and fitting to his uh, impact by employing more people to sing or doing just a longer performance, something. I was just, I was just a little bit disappointed. I I do. I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit and I, I do want to reiterate that it was slightly disappointing that it was just one number. I also thought it was weird that they like had a whole tribute to him and then also used him to close out the in memoriam segment. I don't know why, but that was like weird to me. I'm like, oh, we already tributed him, but okay. I mean, if he wasn't there, it would be like, huh? <laughs> so it would be it would be a little weird. I I, I don't know. It would have they could have like stitched them together. I don't know. But um, what I did like about it was that. It was focused on his mentoring of younger artists. Right. Well, that speaks again to his legacy. And yeah. In Sunny Sunny the Park with George, there's a whole song about the only thing you leave behind in this world is children and art. And mm-hmm. I think it just was a great way to show what mattered to him, which, you know, his whole life, but especially in his like the winter of his life, he was all about fostering an environment of young artists yeah. and helping them along the way and replying to everybody that wrote him, which is incredible. And I think that was a good theme and framing for the tribute. I wish there's more. <laughs> Agreed. The, in memoriam, I don't really know what the hell you were thinking. <laughs> picking a like stalker love song from My Fair Lady? Are you kidding me? Like that'd be weird any year, but the year that Sondheim died, you couldn't do. Maybe maybe they thought it'd be excessive to do two Sondheim songs, but no, it wouldn't have been. So I don't really know what was going on there. It's it's very strange, and I don't know that there would have been a perfect way to do it. I think it. I mean, for 
had Billy Porter can't sing anything, can you imagine him singing like "Not a Day Goes By" or "Losing My Mind"? Like, no one there is alone. would not have been a dry eye. Or no one is alone. Oh God, there would not have been a dry eye in the house if they had gone with a Sondheim song for that. But they didn't. It was fine. Yeah, it's just weird because there have been so many tributes to him over the years. I'm sure that they kind of felt like, well, what can we do that is different? And they did something that was different, although the song and the singer were very familiar. Um, she sings that, has has sung that for years, and always sings it beautifully. It's always a treat to hear her sing it. Yeah. it's not like it's new. All right, any other final thoughts? We can probably wrap it up there. I think we're good. Cool. I will then begin our little round robin farewell. So, um, again, I've been Cody. You can follow me on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Instagram at CodyMoss91. I may not be tweeting as much musical theater stuff as I was this past weekend going forward, but that will always be there in my heart and uh, reflected in my social media presence. <laughs> uh, Dan, where, they, where can they find you? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at DanceAndDanOnFilm. Nicole? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Nicole Ackman 16 And Lauren? You guys can find me on the Twitter at Lauren Lamango. You've been listening to the Next Best Theater Podcast, part of the Next Best Picture Podcast umbrella. We are proud to be a part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere you subscribe to podcasts. But be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and support. Thank you so much for listening, as always. And we will see you all next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.